All right. How many are ready for the word this morning? Amen. I want to invite you to go turn with me if you have your Bible here this morning to Exodus chapter 6. There in Exodus chapter 6, you will find what is called by the Jews the four I wills, the four promises of God. And I know that uh, for many Christians, many followers of Christ have really kind of low expectations when it comes to God. Uh, They're just kind of hoping to make it. But I believe uh, that God has more for us. How many would like to experience more of God? Okay. Yeah, I believe that God wants to bring us peace. And I believe that God wants to bring joy in spite of what's going on around us. That even in the most turbulent of times that we can be people of joy, people of peace, people that are living with a purpose in their life. They're not wigged out. They're not freaked out when when life uh, and, and things are falling apart because they're connected to the one who's totally in control, God himself, God who is sovereign, who knows what's going on. So we're in a series called The Four Cups, what is called God's Timeless Promises for a Life of Fulfillment. And if you've missed any, uh, if, if this is your first week with us, I want to encourage you to go online, go to our website. You can listen to the messages right there and, and catch up with us. And, and I really encourage you to go ahead and do that. And uh, we're, we're, we're just going through some things I believe that God wants to do in our lives. Now, one of the things that we do here is we celebrate communion. <clears throat> and, uh, and when you think of communion, you think of bread and you think of wine or one cup and, and some bread. But we know that that the Christian communion parallels very closely to what is called the Jewish Passover. In fact, the Jewish Passover is an absolute huge event uh, for the Jews. It's been celebrated for thousands of years, and it's still celebrated to this day. And at the Jewish Passover, when families uh, are getting together, what happens is they'll have some unleavened bread there, there will be herbs there, there will be lamb there. But if you go back all the way to the Bible, I mean, it's filled with meaning. But also what was really interesting is that at every Passover, okay, there would be four cups that would be represented there at the Passover. So they would go ahead, they would read there from Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. They would read, and I will, they would pick up a cup They would talk about it, then they would pray about it, and then they would partake of the cup. And each of these cups represents a promise that he had for them. But not only for them, but these promises are for you and I as well. And we've been talking about that for the last couple of weeks. And I want you to see here, do you have your Bible turned to Exodus chapter 6? Say amen if you're there. And it says right here, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So this is what's being read at Passover. Here it is. Here's here's the number one. I I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. That's cup one. Cup two, I will free you from being slaves to them. Okay. Cup three, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. And I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God, and then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So this was a passage of Scripture 
that is read every single year, every single time that Passover happens. So it's a biggie. Now, when I looked at this, and when we heard about this, we've been looking at this is what this is God's plan, not only for the Jews, but for you and I. And, uh, and as, as we've looked at, at our mission statement and vision statement, you say, Pastor, what is, why have we done a change right here? Here's what, what's going on. We want to come, come, go along with what God says. How many know that God's ways are better than our ways? And, and, our, and our mission statement, just in case if you're new here, you would have walked through the doors and you would see that there on the walls. Here it is. It's to together as a group is to extravagantly love Jesus. He's worth it. Wouldn't you agree with it? Together to extravagantly love Jesus and together to selflessly love people. This is the atmosphere that we're seeking to build here in this place as a church, as a gathering. But as a vision statement, something that we can measure, something that we're going after, okay, the vision is to see people saved, healed, and empowered and launched into their calling. And this goes, it coincides right along with the four cups. So we're taking our time, we're going through this because it's God's plan and his purpose for every one of us to drink from these four cups. Here's what I know. Everyone here in this place, whether you are saved or whether you are not saved, okay, we're all on a spiritual journey. We're either going towards a place where we're getting closer to God, or we're on a journey where we're drifting away from God. And I know that as we go through this, this is going to kind of help you to see where you're at in your journey. And I pray, this is my prayer for all of you, that we drink from all of these four cups. So let's look at these things. Week one, we talked about the promises of God. You can write this down. The promises of God. We just kind of did the basics on what the promises are about. What's the purpose of God's promises? And here's what we talked about. Here, a, a basic premise is that we need to know God's promises. We need to know them. We need to understand them. And we need to pursue that, okay? When it comes to promises, why is that? Life is difficult. All kinds of things are coming against us from the enemy, bad decisions or whatever. And it's the person who knows God's word, who knows the promises of his word that will keep you in times when life doesn't make sense. It will keep you from growing bitter. It will keep you going in the right direction. So I want to encourage you, listen to that message when we talked about the promises of God. And then in week two, we talked about literally cup number one. The Jews called it, okay, the cup, okay, of sanctification. We've kind of called it, renamed it, called it the cup of salvation. Here it is. Okay, this is what they were reading. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Here's what God was wanting to do. He was wanting to get the, the Jews out of Egypt. It was a place of misery. It was a place of slavery. And he says, you're in a dangerous place. And he's not saying, I'm not calling you to repent. I'm not calling you to repray. I'm not calling you to read your Bible. I just got to get you. I got to relocate you so I can go ahead and do what I really want to do in you, which goes into cup number two, okay, which was called the cup. They called it the cup of deliverance. We call it healing, Okay, he says, and I will free you from being slaves to them. Isn't it interesting? They're already out of Egypt, but God says, I got, I, I, I want to free you. What, what he's saying there, okay, is that, that Egypt was still in their heart. They still had a mindset of slavery and he wanted to free them of what was going on inside of them. So he wants to get the Egypt out of them, the slave to their fears and their bad habits. He wants to do the same thing in us. And then third is called the cup of redemption. We call it empowered. 
Okay, how is he going to do it? He says, I will redeem you two ways with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. We're going to be focusing on that cup here today. And then next week is called, they called it the cup of praise. Okay, we call it launched. He says, and I will take you as my own people. He said, I'm going to take you as my own people. Please don't miss this one. I so want to encourage you. I'm so excited about this one. It is going to be very helpful to you. And, and, and it's my prayer that you drink from all these cups. Now, I want you to look at here at this, this promise there in verse 7. There's a promise that's attached to the four cups. He says, then, when you've drank from these four cups, when you've experienced these four things, then you will know that I am the Lord your God who called you up out of Egypt. This is a, this is a promise for, for God. And if we understand that and we walk in this, I believe this, that if people really saw what God has to offer, they wouldn't want to reject what he has to offer. So we're going to look here today at cup three, where it says, I will redeem you. The question is, we've heard the phrase before, what does redemption mean? Biblically speaking, what does the word redeem mean? What, what does it have to say? And we're going to look at what it has to say. I also want to look at Webster's Dictionary, what defined it three different ways. It's not here on, in your notes, but you can write this down. Find a place there in your notes. Okay, number one is to buy back, to repurchase. Here's what we know. According to Genesis, we all have been made in God's image. But because sin entered into the world and because you and I both have been born uh, in God's image and born into sin, okay, that sin brought a separation between us and God. The Bible says each one of us have gone our own and separate ways. We've gone away from God and, and we're astray. And as a result of that, it ends in darkness Despair and destruction. A person who does not have God in their life, at the end of life, not experiencing him, it, it, it's, it's not good. But God goes to that place of despair, of destruction and darkness, and he says, I want to repurchase you. It's like the flea market. Has anybody ever gone to the flea market before? You know what I'm talking about? You go to a flea market. I mean, there's things, you know, they're bought and sold, whatever, but there's a lot of things that just sits there. A lot of times it's just junk and someone's hoping to, to to sell it you know and make something of it and, but here comes that person on and see something that they value and they say i want that and they ask the owner how much for that well it's going to cost you everything and and the purchaser says i'll pay it and that's exactly what god did through his son jesus christ for you and i say amen okay so here he is. He comes and he buys us. Okay, He repurchases us because we've been owned by someone else. Second definition is to change for the better or to reform. To change for the better or to reform. Too many of us have set really low goals when it comes to our spiritual life. Basically, here, here's where we're at. I, you know, I just want to get to heaven and I don't want anything bad to happen to me. You know, I've had a lot of bad things happen to me in my life. And I just want the bad to end. You know, I want to go to heaven and the bad to end. And really with no foresight, really nothing inside of their, their hearts for where they want their life truly to count. And, and to them, the, the good life is nothing bad. And I, I want to encourage you, if I've described you, don't settle for the good life. Settle for the better life. The better life is to know why God created you and walk in the purpose that he created you to do. 
Number three means to repair or to restore. We know this, that God is a restoration specialist. Someone say amen to that. You know what I'm talking about. God is, a, is in the restoration business. He takes things that are broken, that are about to be discarded, thrown away, that are just junk, and, and he restores it. One of our favorite shows that June and I like to watch on HGTV is called Rehab Attic. Uh, and has anybody ever seen the show before? You know, yes, people are smiling. It's a great show. Uh, lady, uh, her name is Nicole Curtis. She's from Detroit, Michigan. No wonder the show's so good. But uh, anyways... Uh, she, her, her, here's what she does. I mean, she, she buys these houses and then flips them, but she says, she, I'm not your average flipper. Here's her tagline, okay? We're, we, we, we take and we restore them to their former glory. So she takes places that are really about, they're in Detroit, they're, they're about ready to demolish them. She says, I want them. And uh, in fact, uh, she did a show on, on a house. She calls it her dollar house. She bought it for one buck. And uh, it was about to be demolished, bought it, and, but she had to go ahead and fix it up. In fact, can we get a picture of that here on the screen? Uh, there on your left, it, it was in it, it, it disrepair. It was in horrible condition and uh, put, a, put, a, put a lot of work into it. And, uh, and, and she takes things. It's not just about putting new carpet, but she takes things and she restores it to its former glory. Can we go ahead and, and get an inside picture? There's a number of pictures that are attached to it, but it's absolutely a fascinating show. And it's so what God does for us. And, and, I, and I'm looking at people here in this room, and, and that was you. I mean, people gave up, and you were in a mess. And God brought you back to glory, and he's restored you. He's doing some great things in your life. But the question is, people have, have, have drank from cup one, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. And, and then, but they still got issues. And, and, they're, and they're just working on themselves. And, but they've never drank from cup three. Why is it so few people drink from what we call here the cup of, of restoration, the cup of being redeemed? Okay, we're going to look at here in verse six of chapter six. It's going to be found right there in the answer of verse six. When, when God says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. Here's what's happening before Christ. Okay. Before you got saved, before you were born again, uh, I don't care if you were going to church and how nice of a person you were on the inside. The Bible says uh, that spiritually speaking, we're dead. Dead things, okay, are not necessarily good things to look at. They smell very good. And, but God wanted to bring it back to life. So from a spiritual standpoint, not in good shape. And in fact, the Bible t- talks about David says, you know, he says, I was in a miry pit. I was in a slimy pit. But God, you reached down, okay, and, and you pulled me out of that, that pit. You set my feet on a rock to stay. And because you've pulled me out, okay, and now I stand on a rock, a solid place, a place of safety, a place where I have a future. He says, now I can praise you. So he's seen himself different right there. And he says, man, what God has done, it is absolutely awesome. But I believe most of us, many of us, not all of us, uh, really see ourselves in a negative light, okay? We don't see ourselves the way that God sees us. God sees us through the eyes of greatness of what, not what we just are, but what we can become. 
God sees that. Here's what I see. And I, I'm convinced that most of us don't see us the way that God sees us. How does God see us? I want you to see here in just a moment. But here's what I struggle with much of my life. You know, and I call it worm theology, okay? It's in hymns. We're, we're, we're wretched, you know, sinners. We're, we're nothing but worms. And crawling on the ground, you know, we're not going to really amount to much. We're not going to really do much. There's nothing really much to work with God. And, and the fact of the matter, that's the truth, B.C. before Christ. But when we get saved, when we get born again, Paul said, yeah, we're, we are wretched. But now he says we're a new creation, we're brand new. How many know that new things are pretty good? How many like to buy a new car, that new car smell? Okay. So uh, that's what's happening from a spiritual standpoint. Okay. We've we got a soul. We've got a spirit. We've got a body. We've got issues going on with the soul. Okay. Those, those are some things that need to get worked out. Definitely got issues going on with the body. That thing's, you know, it's dying. It's passing away. It's gonna, we're gonna, this thing's, we're gonna lose it someday. But, but spiritually speaking, we're, we're new creations in Christ. And, and a lot of times people see themselves as inferior, as less than God's best, and see themselves in a negative light. We don't see greatness. We don't see potential inside of us. Potential, I'm going to do great things. I'm going to do things that really are going to make a difference. No. Okay, but listen what David said. When I read this, it absolutely so encouraged me. Okay, David said this. He says, you stoop down. It's like, he says, you stoop down. You come right into the place where I live. You stoop down and you make me great. God reaches down and he pulls us out. Okay, you don't see it, but God does. And he wants to make you great. Say great. Okay, he wants to make you great. He wants to do great things inside of you and through you. But my battle, I didn't see the potential that was inside of me. I, the, I, I can't tell you how many times on Sundays I pinch myself. Uh, I've moved from, I, I was for years, this was the place where I worshiped. You guys all creatures of habit, just like myself. You got your place, your section of worship. I moved from there to recently over to this section right here. But uh, I, I can't tell you, I, I pinched myself. I said, I'm pastoring a church. I said, the people that are here, there's so many awesome people, wonderful people, smart people, gifted people, and God's called me, and I, and I can't tell you how many times I'm going, God, do you know what you're doing? And, uh, and I can't, but God, in his grace, gives us the ability, what he's called us to do. A lot of times, some of us that are here in this room, we live with, the shame and the embarrassment of the past. We've done some things and we said, man, no way. God can't use me based upon what we did in the past. But here's the good news uh, that it comes after the most famous verse in the Bible, John three seventeen. I don't know if you know this one. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to embarrass the world. Okay, didn't say that. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's what the devil does. He wants, to do, he wants to embarrass you. He wants to keep you away. By the way, he is doing everything possible to keep you and I from drinking cup three. Understand this today. We're taking our time on this one today. He wants to keep you from, the, from this cup because he knows that when that happens, you become dangerous. 
You become a, a person of potential. Here's what the devil has been whispering into people's ears. You're a mess. You're nothing but a mess. There's no way out. There's no use of trying. You won't change. That voice, you've been trying to change and you keep on making the same mistakes year after year, day after the day. And here's what God's here. You hear this voice. God says, yeah, you're a mess, but I can change you. And this is the way out. And God can do that. God, I, I, and there are people that are, I know in this room, you're so frustrated with yourself. And in fact, there were people that came into this room. Today, you wanted to enter into worship. You wanted to kind of, you saw other people going, going after God, lifting their hands up to the Lord. And, and, and all of a sudden, here's a voice that goes off. Do you remember what you did this week? Oh, yeah. And, and you're reminded of the mistakes and the sins and the selfish choices that you made. And all of a sudden, your hands go from here to here. And he just keeps on reminding you of your past. And that's, that's how the enemy works. Kind of like the story of a man that went to, uh, to, a, to a pet store. He was just kind of moseying around, just looking around. And there in the corner is, is a parrot. And the parrot yells out to this guy. He goes, hey! He says, are, are, are you talking to me? He says, yeah. He says, what do you want? Come on over here. So he walks over to where the parrot at is at. He says, what? He said, the parrot says, you're the ugliest person I've ever seen in my whole life. And this guy goes, what? He goes over to the owner, to the manager of the store. He says, your pet over there in the corner just insulted me. And, and, and that guy goes over there. He says, listen, man. He says, that's my customer. This is my business. Don't you mess with my customers. He hits him up, side of the head, pulls out a couple of feathers right there. And, and uh, so it, it's a month later. This guy comes back to the store. He's just kind of walking, checking out what's on, on the shelves or whatever. And, and there again, hey, <laughs> that parrot says, and the guy comes over. He says, what? Come over here. And he and the guy says, "What?" He says, "You know what?" <laughs> and we hear that voice, you, the devil. You know what? You know what you've done. You know what you've done yesterday. You know what you've done last week. You're not worthy to go ahead and worship God. But remember this: it's Jesus' blood who makes us worthy, not our righteousness. Amen? You want to get close to God? See what he, he says about you. Here's a key. Write this down. See yourself as God sees you. So many people struggle with the image, who they are, how God's created them, and really don't understand how God sees us. This is so absolutely huge. This is one of the reasons why you need to, to read the Bible, because you've got to see how God sees you. Ephesians 2.10, I, I was reading it earlier as we were dedicating uh, the, the Thomas family. It said in Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's masterpiece, as one translation puts it. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. So God sees something in you. Listen, God sees something in you that you don't see in yourself. There's so many things, man. God sees greatness and potential in you. 
Okay, he sees something, man. I, I see a pastor. I see an evangelist. I, mean, I see a missionary. I, I see something. I'm, I'm going to move through you in a powerful way. And then he says, I'm going to redeem you with mighty acts of judgment. Now, who is God judging? Is he judging us? Uh-uh. No, that judgment is reserved from the enemy of your soul. Okay, he wants to judge them. And why he's going to do it is because here, here, this is the scary part. The devil has a plan for your life. No question about it. And a lot of people haven't drank from that cup because the enemy offers a plan. He says, here, look at this plan. Look at this cup. It tastes better. And, and he offers another plan, and, and I call it the diversion plan. And most of us, in fact, I know all of us here in this room have experienced a diversion We've made a sinful choice, a really bad choice. The Holy Spirit was screaming. I mean, was saying, don't go there. Run away from that. And, and we heard the voice of the Holy Spirit, and, and we walked into it anyways. And, and we, we, when we walked into that, and it created all kinds of havoc. I mean, literally, we saw happening there in, in Galatians chapter 6. We're reaping what we sow in it. It was painful. We're experiencing the consequences. And we've been diverted from the path that God had for us. Some of us here in this room, we've been diverted by pain, by some type of, 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 of catastrophe. Something happened in your life. It was so painful, and it, it, maybe it lasted a long time, and, and it kind of like, oh my, and it's gotten you to a different path, and some people maybe are struggling right now in your view of God, and you're saying, God, you're not fair. Some people have been diverted even by good things, maybe by a career or by money, wanting to make money. And, and there's nothing wrong with a career or making money, but it's, it's diverted from what God has called you to do. And I want to encourage you here this morning. I want you to see what God has to say about diversion. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18. Paul the Apostle, this was a powerful man in the Spirit. God had used powerfully. He says, we wanted very much to come to you. And I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan prevented us. Wow. Think about that. This is a guy that God used very powerfully. I mean, saw many miracles, signs, and wonders. Wrote a lot of the New Testament. He says, man, it was my desire. I wanted to see you. He says, but Satan prevented us. That word prevented there in the Greek means literally to put an obstacle right there in front of you. And a lot of times when there's obstacles that come in front of us, instead of dealing with those obstacles, we go another path. Okay, we go off the pathway of God and we go ahead and we do our own thing and we're in a bad place. But I want to tell you, if you're, if you're at, on the pathway where God hasn't called you to be, can I just tell you, God can bring you back to the right pathway. If you've been, on the, you've been making some bad choices or you've been going through some stuff, I want to tell you, God can help you out. Look at here, I want to take you to a couple of scriptures, Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good, of those who, are, who love God and are called according to the purpose he has for them. How many think that's a good verse? It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. We know that God causes some things to work out or everything. Everything. Everything that you can think of that's happened in your life to work together for good for those who love him. Well, what about Pastor Mike about the bad choices I made? What about the boneheaded decisions I made when I didn't listen to the Holy Spirit. And I'm now reaping the consequences of that. Can God still work in my life? And I say, absolutely. But here's the key. Here's the key. You've got to come back. It's called repentance. 
God, I'm sorry I was wrong. I messed up, Lord. Here's the consequences, but God, I'm asking you, Lord, God, to work out even this situation, Lord, and work it out for good. But the key is you've got to be in a loving relationship. I want to, everything doesn't work out for good. In fact, a lot of times it doesn't work out for good because people don't love God. If you love God, in the end, he works it all together. So any path that you've taken, uh, God can turn it around and he can put you back on the path and get you in the right place. Are you sure, Pastor Mike? I'm not sure about that. Listen to this. I want to take you to one more scripture. Romans chapter 11, verse 29. For God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. God can work even through people that are that don't have their whole life together spiritually. God, he says, I recognize you don't have it all together, but I put gifts inside of you and I'm not taking those back. I've deposited them there in your life. Okay, they're there and I'm not taking them back. God never, here, here's another way of saying it. God never changes his mind about you, regardless of what you have done. Does that mean that he approves of sin? Okay, and, and bad choices? Absolutely not. Okay, but he never gives up on you. So that you and I can be saved, we can be healed, and we can be redeemed. People will change their mind about you. And there's people here in this room. I give up. I've had enough. People have walked away. Walked away from their parents. Walked away from their kids. Walked away from their spouses. But the one person who refuses to ever give up on you is God himself. Never, ever, 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 ever will God give up on you. Say amen to that. So because of that, he can always fulfill his plan for you. The question is, how? How can I drink from the cup of redemption? Here it is. This is a huge statement. I want to read this to you. For God to get you on the pathway to purpose, here it is, is you have to discover the spiritual gifts inside of you. Spiritual gifts, say spiritual gifts, and your design. Okay, those, those, those are two different things, but two things that are absolutely huge. Let me take you to Romans chapter 12, verse 6. It says there, in His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. You got that word underlined grace there. It's a huge word. Grace, okay, the Greek word for grace is called charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. Write that down. It's where we also get the word charismatic from. Now, that word charismatic has been hijacked by the devil. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a charismatic follower of Jesus Christ, okay? People that are called charismatics are basically called fanatics, okay? Who, who have freaked people out and trying to redefine Christianity. But here's what grace means. Write this down. It means divine ability, enablement. It means... What God's called you to do, it's, it's actually easy to do. There's favor. The wind of heaven is behind you. I mean, you're not going against, you know, the wind. I mean, the favor of God is helping you. He's, his divine hand is upon you. And you do it really well. It's easy for you to do. Let me give you an example. Uh, when I got saved at 19 years old, God filled me with the Holy Spirit. One of the things, I mean, I wasn't told to do this. Uh, it was just something, I mean, I was so overwhelmed with God's goodness and his mercy and what he had done in my life. It was natural for me to tell people about Jesus. 
Okay, and I, literally, I've I've had the privilege. I mean, the greatest privilege to lead thousands of people to Jesus Christ. And you will say, Pastor, well, you're a preacher. Of of course, you, you do that. I mean, and I've, I and I have. I mean, in the pulpit, there's been many through the years, many people who come to Christ. But can I tell you, outside of these walls, this is where the real grace that God has come upon me. I've led literally hundreds of people to Christ. I mean. I mean, I, literally, I'm not afraid of anyone. It's easy for me to do. Many people have come to Christ. And you know why that happens? It's because of grace. It's not because of me. It's not because I'm smart. Or it's not because, you know, I've got it all together. But it's because God, he says, I'm, in fact, I come alive. When I get a chance to talk to people about Jesus who are not saved, and I get to tell them the good news, man, I, Man, it's innocent. I, I, for some of you, you say, no, man, telling people about Christ, it, it wigs you out. You, you, you're afraid of that. No, God wants to give us all his Holy Spirit, fill us with boldness. He wants to give you grace to be able to share the good news. Where did that gift come from? It comes from God. By the way, now this is huge. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. Now, what are the gifts of the Spirit? You've got to go to chapter 12. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Write this down because this is, this is, this is key. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts, okay? Especially the gift of prophecy. Now, we want to help you on this one. But studies show that 87% don't pursue or know their spiritual gifts. They don't know what God's called them to do. They don't understand, you know, and I'm not talking about just whether to be a mom or your, your career or your profession. I'm talking about the gifts that he's deposited in your life. He's deposited those gifts into your life so that you would be a blessing to the church, to the body of Christ and to those who don't know Christ yet. But many of them don't even know. And it's my joy as a pastor, okay, and us as a pastor to help you to discover the gifts that God has placed in your life. So the question is, How do I drink from this cup? Three things. Here we go. We're going to go through those quickly here this morning. Number one, how do I drink from this cup? Number one, discover your gift. You need to discover your gift. Pastor, put me on the trail. Where do I start? I I want fulfillment in my life. I want to do what God's called me to, to do in my life. By the way, this is not going to be perfect. Uh, it's not going to be totally all together, but it will be helpful. Discover how God has made you. Do you know how God's made you? Have you checked out how God's made you? Because your design reveals many times your destiny. Okay, God has put something inside of you. He's put a gift inside of you because he has something for you to do. That's why he made you. Psalm 139, an awesome scripture. And by the way, as we're going through these, I so want you to go ahead as you take notes tomorrow morning, go through these again and begin to pray about these. Once you see yourself as God sees you, look at what he says here in verse 13. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. I want you guys to come back, come to this place. You know what? I'm not gifted in this. I don't, you know, we got, you see someone, man, they do really well. And you say, man, I wish I could do that. No, you're, you're, you're not comparing yourself to that person. You recognize what God's called you to do. And you're doing it. And you say, oh my gosh, this is so fun. 
Okay, so you want to come to that place. Here it is. Write this on this, in your notes. This is huge. Your design reveals your destiny. It, it, how God has made you, it points you to what you're supposed to do. Listen, we have, we have a plan. We have a process that will help you to drink from cup three, okay, that will take you on a journey of discovery. It's called growth track three. Say growth track three, okay? And we're going to be talking about that. It's going to be happening in November. But the key to finding yourself is found in your relationship with God. Most people try to find their purpose and their destiny in their career, in their education, or through their family, or through success. And all of those things are good things, okay? But you will never find out truly who you are until you are fully connected to God. Because He wrote the book on you. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, it says, In Christ, we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before he first heard of, we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and everyone. So it's in Christ, it's in a relationship with God, we find out who we truly are, how God has wired us, how God has made us, okay? Colossians 1.16 says it this way, for everything, absolutely everything, above, below, visible, and invisible, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. You'll always come up empty if you're trying to find fulfillment in life, if it's through your husband, through your wife, through your kids, through your career, through money, through fame, fortune, whatever, you end up empty if, it, if it's outside of a relationship with God. So number one, discover your gift. Number two, develop your gift. Develop your gift. The reason why you and I have to develop our gift is never perfect once you discover it. When I got saved and born again and when I was leading people to Jesus, okay, I was aggressive, okay? Uh, I mean, I was, but I needed some seasoning in my life. I really lacked in some tact. I really, I, a lot of times I was really forceful and, uh, and, and the Holy Spirit had to teach me, and I heard from some other people, hey, you need, I mean, I get you, you need to get saved, man, and there's, you're not leaving this room until you get right with God. I mean, I was, but I had to get, but there was something happening, and God has given me the ability to do it right. That's the, by the way, that's the job of Calvary. That's the job of this church. My job and the staff job is to help season you and to strengthen you, okay? Can I read you my job description? Does anybody want to hear what my job description is? but it, it includes you, okay? You want to see it? Okay, by the way, it's for the other pastors here on staff here as well. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to put it on the screen. Ephesians 4, chap, chapter 4, verse 7, it says, but each one to us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Here's what their responsibility is to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. 
Our responsibility is not only just to help you to be able to encounter God and to be in His presence and to enjoy Him and, and create that kind of an atmosphere, but our job is really ultimately to help you to discover not only what your gift is, but to go ahead and to use your gift to serve the body so that the body of Christ, which is described as the church, will become strong. So the, the more people that they discover what God has put into their hearts, into their lives, their gifts and abilities, and to begin to actually do them, that's when the church gets stronger. That's why the church in America probably is so weak. So few people know what God has called them to do, and they're not really doing anything. They're just coming to church on Sunday and just sitting. And they feel church is just about hearing the pastor preach a sermon and coming to sing a few songs and to give a few dollars in the collection plate. Pastors are not called to do all the work. We're called to equip you so that you guys can do the work as well. How do we do that? We do that through growth track. We take people on a four-step process to help them to drink from cup one, two, three, and four. Here it is. Church 101. It starts, by the way, next month, if you haven't been through what we call growth track, okay, this is kind of where we introduce what is Calvary all about. It's, it coincides with membership. We explain what does it mean to be a member of, of Calvary and what God has called us to do, to do. Essentials is 201. It's about spiritual health and healing and the spiritual disciplines that if we really implement them in our life, God would bring healing and restoration to our lives, okay? This is how we help you to get close to God. Discovery 301 is about discovering what God has put inside of us. This is what we've been talking about here this morning. We're going to do, this is cool, we do a personality test. We do a spiritual inventory test, a gift analysis, and we go ahead, and when you begin to see this and you say, oh, because here, here's, here's what may happen. Some of you may be in careers and, and, and doing something that God hasn't called you to do. You're not happy with it. You're not fulfilled. You're not firing at, at all eight cylinders, and you're just barely getting along. I believe this is going to really help you. And then launch 401. This is where you're actually doing ministry, where you're using your gift and you're doing it to serve the body of Christ. And so I, as your pastor, and the pastors here at Calvary, we want to help you in that journey to discover your gift and to use your gift. And by the way, which is point number three, use your gift. I believe that you've never experienced life until you find the thing that God created you to do and use it in a way that will make a difference, okay? I, I just know when people say, oh my goodness, is this what God's calling me to do? And we actually begin to do it. There is so much fun and enjoyment and fulfillment in it. Doesn't mean that there's not any problems in life. Doesn't mean that there's any challenges. It means there's a life of fulfillment. Peter put it this way, 1 Peter 4.10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. I, 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 when I go through the landscape, I, I just go through here and look at the people that are here at Calvary that have used their spiritual gifts to serve the body and have done really well and have done it unto the Lord. Uh, I watch you worship on Sunday. I've heard you pray. But I want to tell you something. From, from those that are here today, we think that you know just singing and, and praying is worship. One of the great ways that we can worship God is when we love our brothers and sisters and we have, help them out. We serve them out. Why? Because we love God 
and we love them. And I want to say thank you to all those that are here that are doing that on a regular basis to say, I love God and I love my brothers and sisters here. I want to help them to see them get strong. It's not all on the pastors. No, I'm joining the pastors and we're doing this together. By the way, for those who are serving and have been doing really well in this area, and for those who are not serving, those who don't know their gifts and don't know what God has for them, I want you to hear a promise from Hebrews 6.10. God is not unjust. Hear this. For those who are going through a tough time, this is a promise. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. God sees, God remembers, God is not forgetting. There is a reward for those who are serving him with a pure heart. God will will never forget that. So I want you to fill in this last blank, and then we're going to pray. Here it is. What's my purpose in life? My purpose is to serve God by serving others. I want you to think about that here this morning. People want to be happy. People want to be fulfilled. It's not found in in doing all kinds of fun things, and God's not anti-fun, anti-enjoyment, but it's really found in a relationship with Him and, and making a decision saying, God, I surrender my life. God, I want to serve You by serving my brothers and sisters at the church where I worship. And God, for the people who don't know you yet, Lord, I give you my life. God, use my gifts and my abilities, Lord, to serve, Lord, your people well. And to serve, Lord, those who don't know you. That's drinking from cup three. Don't miss cup four next week. You've got to be here. Let's pray. Amen. Eyes closed for just a moment. You know what God's called you to do? Do you know the gifts and the abilities? I'm calling all Calvary here today. We'll call this your home. Whether you've been with me since the beginning when I came here as your pastor or you're new here, I'm going to ask you for four Sundays. It's going to start November 2nd. I'm going to ask you to give us four Sundays. We're going to be meeting in the evenings. We're going to have a meal together. We're going to feed you well. Be together for about an hour, hour and a half for each class. It's going to be good. It's going to be really helpful. It's going to be life-changing for you, depending upon your attitude and your actions that you take towards it. It's going to make a difference, literally, in our church, how you approach it. And I'm going to ask that you just be a part of that. And I'm going to ask today, in fact, just make this, just say, Pastor, I really want to go ahead. I'm in. I want to drink from the cups. I want to discover what God's called me to do. I want to discover my gifts. I want to see how God has wired me because I want my life to count. I'm going to ask that you make a commitment to them. I'm going to ask that you would even sign the card, the connection card, check off the box so that we know how many people to plan for that day. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you, God, for those, God, that are here at this place that have served so well, that have served, Lord, their brothers and sisters and served, Lord, 
the pastors here, God, and who have given unselfishly of their lives, their time and their treasure and their talents. God, I thank you for each one and I pray your blessing upon them, Lord. Thank you, God, that they've been a blessing to me, to my family, my kids, my wife and I. Thank you for each one, Lord. Bless them, I pray. And God, for those, Lord, who are just feeling that tug from you, feeling that that, that nudge, to, that you're calling them, Lord, to greatness, Lord God. And Lord, and I, I just pray, God, that they will not rest, Lord God. And, and God, that they will pursue you, Lord. And they will pursue, God, spiritual gifts. And God, that they would use those gifts, Lord, that you begin to show them what you put inside of them for your glory and for the strengthening of the church, your body. God, I pray in Jesus' name that Calvary will be the church that you've called it to be. Now, one more thing here this morning, then we're going to go ahead and just dismiss. I'm just curious. If there's, I feel there's maybe someone here this morning. You need to drink from cup one. You need to get saved. God wants to take you out of what the Bible calls Egypt. It's a place of danger. It's a place of death. It's a place of bondage. God wants to relocate you. He wants to get you into his family. You've been living a life outside of God. You've just been making all the decisions, been doing your own thing. You believe in God. That's not been an issue, but you've been living a life outside of him, outside of a relationship with him. And you just feel him pulling you towards himself. And you want to, you want to experience him. You want to experience fulfillment. You will never experience fulfillment outside of Christ. He's, he's calling you right now to come to Him. And we're going to just take a moment. We're going to pray and ask Him into our lives. And if that's you and you say, I want to get right. I want to get saved here this morning. Would you just right now, would you just lift your hand? We're going to pray. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. We're going to pray here in just a moment. You say, I want to get right with God. Just lift your hand. You say, I'm not in a place where I need to be. Some of you were saved, and for some reason, you walked away. Man, you've got off of the path. You've made some decisions, and you just, God didn't leave you, but you left God. And you say, I want to come back. Is there anyone here that I would, the Bible calls that the backslider. Is there anyone here in this room that I describe you right now? You say, I want to come back. Thank you. Is there anybody here that says, I I want to come to Christ. I want to give my life to Him. Anyone else? We're going to pray. Okay, thank you. Anybody else? Okay. All right. Let's pray. For those who lifted their hand, we're going to take just a moment. We're going to lift, we're going to, in fact, we're going to pray with you. Calvary, would you just join me? And those who lifted their hand, would you just uh, pray along? Say, Dear God, I ask for mercy. I ask for forgiveness. I ask you to change my life. I can't do it in my own strength. So I accept your son. I receive your son Jesus as my Savior and Lord. Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. I believe that you rose from the grave. And I give my life to you. Thank you, Jesus, for redeeming me, for saving me. And thank you, Lord, that you're going to heal me. In your name I pray. I say amen.